You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, please feel free to do so. The phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We don't have any new callers today. Before we get to Trevor, sorry about last night. I ripped through a bunch of calls. Um... Omar and Corey from Ohio, Kyle and Trevor and a bunch of guys. And um, I don't know what happened, but that episode is gone forever. I uploaded it, or at least thought I did, and then got the dreaded messages. Hey, I think you uploaded the wrong one. Whatever. I'm going to keep doing the best I can to get you two podcasts from me a day. With the whole network, you guys should have probably at least two a day coming at you. You're just going to have to put up with me and my uh, broken process as I try to take on too much at once. Sometimes it's going to get messed up. I apologize. And to all the callers who I did talk to, and we had a great conversation, but nobody else heard it, again, I'm sorry. I suck. And uh, that's how it goes. But let's get started with Trevor from Virginia. Hey, Ryan. Trevor in Virginia. Um, a lot of people are talking about losing my straight right now, um, falling down and stuff, trying to get the ball. And... It's not something I could ever, I could ever really prove or look into or anything, but, you know, obviously we all know Jordan Love has been very inaccurate as a whole this year. Um, so I wonder if that's just in Luke Musgrave's head, where, like, even when the balls are on target now, as the accuracy has been improving, he's just kind of, like, from so many passes being off target, he's anticipating off target passes and turning around to put himself in a better position to catch the ball if it's behind him or whatever, you know? Um I just wonder if it's like a side effect of having to change body position to catch so many passes because, you know, we see it in the games, but, like, this is also happening in practice. You know, the inaccuracy is happening in practice. So is it just – is Lester kind of been conditioned a little bit for wild passes where, you know, he's turning around because of that because maybe we can watch his college tape. I don't know. I'm not going to, and I don't expect you to either, but, like, I imagine he did not do this turning around thing in college, or he would not have been as highly checked, I would think, even though obviously he has all that physical attributes, so maybe he would have anyway, but um, I don't know. Yeah. Not to, I'm not trying to jump on the blame Jordan Love for everything. That's not my point here. I'm just kind of looking for an explanation, um, you know, as they all grow together. Hopefully that gets ironed out. So, go back, go. And I think how you ended it is kind of how I want to take it. Um, is it possible? Yeah, it's possible. But just like I don't want to blame the receivers for Jordan Love's mistakes, I don't want to blame Jordan Love for the receivers' mistakes. If he throws a dot to a tight end or a wide receiver, and for whatever reason, they decide, you know, I can't quite locate it, so I'm going to spin all the way around, and then I'm going to try to turn around, and it's going to cause me to fall, rather than let me just track this over the shoulder and catch it and keep running. Whatever it is that's causing him to do that, even if it's Jordan Love, it's not Jordan Love's fault. And I know you know that. I'm I'm just I'm just saying I'd rather not even speculate, especially since I've been coming down so hard on Jordan Love as it is. The last thing I want to do is speculate as to how, you know, the mistakes that other people are making for sure is also his fault. I'm just 
I don't even want to dip my toe in that one. Hey, Ryan, this is uh, Trucker Bob. Trucker Bob. Uh, we're still out here in Montana driving across the state. Um, I've been listening to uh, Jersey Mike rant and rave about Christian Watson. Um, I just want to make one very short. Just wait until you hear Bramble tomorrow. Had to rip me a new one. <laughs> it's a good time. Or reply. Christian Watson leads the NFL in one major stance. I don't know what that is. This. Christian Watson is number one in the league of all the receivers in the league at being double teamed. Oh, I did see that. No other That's receiver right. in the league gets double teamed more than Christian Watson. Kind of staggering, isn't it? Um, I forgot where I saw that. There was a stat somebody had posted online, and it, it had something to do with how good a receiver is at beating a double team and and how often they're double teamed or something to that effect. Uh, or maybe it was how good they are when they're single covered or whatever. Yeah, Christian Watson was number one. And, and I kind of wonder, I'm going to speculate for a minute here, if that's by design, because that is how Christian Watson's being used. In other words, his entire goal in this offense is to pull defenders away. So he's got a corner and he's also running into a safety because he's blazing fast and his whole thing is pull everybody away. And he does that successfully because you know it's not because Christian Watson's the greatest receiver in the NFL. It's not to say he's bad, but he's not Justin Jefferson. He's not Jamar Chase. He's not uh, Garrett Wilson. He's not Devontae Adams. But he is, according to that metric, the most double-covered wide receiver in the NFL. Now, you could also say it has something to do with the underthrown balls allowing defenders to get there. But either way, it's an interesting thing to wonder about. So we may complain about this or that about him. But the defenses in the league are out to shut him down. And it's helping all the other young receivers on the team get open. So no matter what you think, Christian Watson is greatly helping this team just being on the field, whether he catches passes or not. Now, I would love to see Christian get more passes and break away and do all the cool things he did last year. But other teams are scheming him to the point that it's very difficult for Love to throw to him because he's being double teamed all the time and other guys are going to be more open. So anyways, that's my comment. Christian is respected that much by defensive coordinators and defensive backs and safeties throughout the league. That's how good he is. Thank you, Trucker Bob out. Yeah, and my biggest takeaway from that whole thing is just that, you know, a lot of times we look at the most obvious, I don't even want to say answer to the question, but when we see information, we just look for the most obvious answer. So, for example, Christian Watson no-get stats, Christian Watson bad. There's a lot, a lot that goes into football. And this is just one other attribute on top of what I've already said about, you know, it doesn't mean he's not open, doesn't mean he's not doing anything right. We don't know. I mean, there's just, there's so much context. Play design, how often is it designed to go to Christian as opposed to Christian is designed to be a decoy or to draw away attention or to stretch out the defense so we can attack underneath. There's also things like how often are players double teamed? 
Well, he's not getting open. Well, if if there's two guys covering him, it makes it harder. So it's just it, the point is, it's I think we should spend more time like speculating as opposed to concluding. In other words, we should be more curious. Like I wonder why Christian is not getting the production that we thought he might. Is it because he's maybe not as good as we thought? Is it that Jordan just isn't throwing to him? Is it because they're just not on the same page? Is it a scheme issue? Maybe Matt's not doing a good enough job scheming him. Is it, you know, he's being deployed as a decoy? Is it that he's being double teamed more often? There's a lot of questions that I think could be asked if, if we would, I think we'd be, be all be better off if we spent more time doing that is, is the bottom line. I see something that isn't where I want it to be. Let's ask some questions. But instead of asking questions, we just say they suck, right? I saw a thing, therefore conclusion. I know a thing, conclusion. It's fine to speculate, but, but to say definitively, I know that Christian Watson sucks. I mean, you can come to that conclusion, but there's got to at least be some film study or something, something to back up what you're seeing where it's like, I wish he was doing this and instead he's doing this. And I'm not, I'm not going to pretend any one thing is the be all end all. Again, it's just when you hear additional context that makes you go, oh yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about that. It just makes you see how complex football is. And again, I think for everything, we should try, myself included, to approach things from a more inquisitive standpoint of, I wish it was like this. It's not like this. Why is it not like this? Same with like the defense, like the run defense isn't good. Why? Well, Joe Barry sucks. Okay. There's, there's probably, there's a good chance that we will come to the conclusion one way or another that Joe Barry's not the right answer. But I still think there's a lot of questions to be asked, right? Like it was it was brought up, actually this might have been on the call that got that didn't make it or whatever, but the idea of we need to go to a 4-3 as opposed to a 3-4 because it's better against run defense. Like, okay, I hadn't even considered that. We should look into that. What, what are the implications, ramifications, etc.? It's a question. It's worth exploring. Is it a personnel thing? Well, what do we have? What, how does that compare to everybody else as far as their, their ability to stop the run? Let's look at some defenses that are stopping the run. What are the differences? Differences in scheme, differences in personnel. And, and the problem is it's a lot of work and we don't want to do a lot of work. But I, I just think if we're not really willing to do the work, then we shouldn't be so concrete in our beliefs. I know it's this. I'm not going to try to look into it, but I know. We don't know anything. <laughs> we know almost nothing. But I think it's more interesting. I think it's more fun. I think it would lead to a lot less fighting. And I think it would lead to a lot more learning as well. If we could approach things from an inquisitive standpoint, why do you think it's not happening? Is there something wrong with Matt LaFleur's scheme? Is there something wrong with the energy and the attitude? Whatever the case may be. So I appreciate you bringing that to our attention, Mr. Trucker Bob. Hey, Ryan. Back the nation. Steve up in the last What's up, Steve? Just uh, out doing some snow removal. We All got right. Some snow coming down. I got to go make me some money. You know, white gold, yes. you know, remove it. It's worth, worth seeing it come down. But anyways, I'm, uh, I'm calling just for uh, a little bit of clarification for my call the other day. Um, thinking about it, I don't want uh, Jersey Mike to think that I'm coming after him in some kind of way because, you know, these cultures, they can be tough if they see somebody coming after him. So I'm not coming after you specifically. I was, my whole comment about uh, people sounding like, you know, Packers fans sound like, you know, Bears fans or Patriots fans trying to support crappy quarterbacks. This is on tomorrow's podcast. I'm sorry. I don't know why I do that. I just... I do it backwards, so this isn't going to make sense. But you'll see Steve's thing tomorrow. Because, well, some of us sound like Bears and Patriots fans trying to support a crappy quarterback. Those guys are starting to come around. Um, 
and it's not that Jordan Love's been horrible, but let's be honest. If if, if we got what we got and we see a 20% improvement, I, I still say we're looking at, you know, a, a middle-level quarterback. We're, you know, we're still looking at a guy who's top 15, which means he's like 15 or 14. And, you know, okay, so we're stuck middling. Um, and, and I'm, and I'm big on this, you know, we need a chance to, to retool with, with the opportunity to pick some super high end talent. Um, Brian, a while back, you may mention that, you know, it's not necessary to have a Hall of Famer on your team to, to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> I, I, I have a hard time with that because when you look at it historically, most yeah, Super Bowl it, teams it that are a lot. teams that were, you know, they were solid. It's not just one year pop out of nowhere. Wonders like or the, the Rams were the other year, um, and even they'll have one because you know Aaron Donald will end up in the Hall of Fame. If, if you're gonna have a Super Bowl team, you're gonna have a Hall of Famer. We had at least two. We had three on the on the '90s team. We had two on on the 2010 team because Rodgers will go and and um, um, oh my God, Woodson, Charles Woodson. He'll end up going, or he is. So we we need the opportunity to get a generational talent type player, and and have that be somebody we can build a team around. And you're not going to get. I mean, you can get lucky, but you get a better shot of that if if we're picking high. It doesn't have to be the quarterback. It could be a lot of other things besides the quarterback. I I just really want a super stud player that we can build around, and we don't find those at the end. Of the first round, you find the next you get. Um, least from experience. So my time's up. I'm gonna get off here. Again, not coming after your journey. Take it easy, Packers. Bye. Yeah, I mean, I I think on on some level, you'd have to have. I mean, at, at, at you don't necessarily need a Hall of Fame quarterback, although you definitely you almost need a Hall of Fame quarterback. But even times like if you think back. Like, well, okay, Joe Flacco won. He's not a Hall of Fame quarterback. Bro, how many Hall of Famers were on that defense? And yeah, I mean, if you if you look at our team right now, how many of these guys are probably going to be like Hall of Fame level? <sighs> I don't know. Probably none. I would love to say Rashawn, but it's like he just, you know, just can't get a good, like two years he was not being used, right? He was behind Zadarius and Preston. And then he came out and he blew up, but nobody really noticed. And the sack numbers didn't quite, hit the totals that you would hope for the amount of pressures and then there was another injury and so it's like it just it's having a hard time at least from the recognition standpoint but also just you know it's been many years and of all the years as far as production goes you know uh Jair was was scratching the surface and then he got hurt and it's like uh, there's still time but you you gotta really buckle down here if we're gonna get to that that level but I think one of the the great things that they did in those Super Bowl years was to find the right people in free agency at the right time. You know, the Packers were ascending and then they go out and find Reggie. You know, I mean, it's just, it, you add that little cherry on top. Charles Woodson was a great addition. Now there was a lot of good players on that team already, but he was a real good addition to that team. And I'm sure that did wonders for the locker room on top of everything. You got the right quarterback and everything just kind of clicked. So I, I I would agree that at some point, we may need that cherry on top. I just feel like it might be premature at this point. Not saying if you got the money and something great just falls into your lap next year in free agency and there's just this guy that's just going to change everything. 
I mean, I guess just go do it, but it just feels like we've got a ways to go before we can just put that final, I hate to call it a cherry on top because it's going to be probably the best player on the team, but yeah, eventually I'd, I'd like to get there. And yeah, I get it. Um, and, and to be fair, Steve, again, um, prior to your thoughts on what Jersey Mike said, which we're not, it's not, uh, I did take exception to you calling him a, a, a Patriots fan. I thought that was over the line. But <laughs> the show kicks off, or at least once we get to the calls, with me getting my teeth kicked in um, about how I gaslight Jersey Mike and everything. So that'll overshadow anything you ever say about Jersey Mike, so don't worry about it. Aaron, <laughs> uh, what's going on? Brian, it's Aaron from Eau Claire. What up, man? I was just um, thinking about something that would be somewhat of a long shot by any stretch of the imagination, but kind of a interesting idea. So what if the Packers have a top draft pick, um, top three or top five or something like that? Yep. And let's say the Chargers are kind of doing bad. And of course, it's not because of Justin Herbert, but for whatever reason, they just end up kind of continuing to struggle this year. Um, and decide to do like a, like a rebuild or something like that. Um, not saying that's going to happen, probably won't because they do have a franchise quarterback. But if that were to happen, what if the Packers were to send a bunch of picks or assets and their high draft pick to the Los Angeles Chargers so that they could pick up a new quarterback? rebuild with new coach, new quarterback, and then send Justin Herbert to the Packers. Obviously, uh, I don't think it'll happen, but it would be awesome, in my opinion, if it were to. Um, I just, I like Justin Herbert, and I think, I think his background would make him a perfect fit for the Green Bay Packers, because he's a small town kid. He likes to stay kind of quiet. Um, and uh, I just really think he would actually enjoy the the environment of Green Bay. Um, could be wrong, but I don't think it will ever happen. But kind of fun to speculate. Kind of fun to think about the imaginary scenario. Let me know what you think. I mean, I think I'd have to say yes. Um, I think most people would probably say no, because not only are you giving up on Jordan Love, but you're giving up on whatever you would get with that that pick. Now that even if you're out on Jordan Love, some people would say I'd rather have you know take a shot at Drake May or Caleb Williams or whatever. But I think the real question really comes down to: I mean, do we know Jordan Love's the guy? I don't think you can say the answer is yes. You can say you think, but he's not there now, so I don't know that we can know. And then the 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 next big question is: Is Herbert the guy? Is he an a good enough quarterback to get you where you need to go? And I think the answer to that question is yes. Again, I don't think he's ever really going to be the number one guy, but I think he's perennially a top five guy that's on, been on a bad team for most of his you know, career. I mean, he's he's got a great receiver, but he plays behind a bad offensive line. I think they've got a bad um, coaching staff, and uh, it's just kind of a dysfunctional situation. Now, if he's not the guy, then, then the answer is obviously no, but I, I think, you know, like Brian Gutekun said, if you have an opportunity to address the most important position in football, you, you always take that. I mean, he, he said that when he talked about Rodgers and, and bringing him back, talked about that when, when it's Jordan Love. And, and so, you know, if you have 
an opportunity. If, if Justin Herbert is the guy, he's good enough as a quarterback. He is a top five quarterback. If, then I think the answer has to be yes, because there's nothing else that matters. There's nothing more important than answering that question. Do you have that guy? Do you have an opportunity to get that guy? You don't know Caleb's going to be the guy. You don't know Drake May's going to be the guy. You don't know Jordan Love's going to be the guy. Now, as you said, the Chargers are never going to do that. But if it was on the table and they were willing to just take a first, I think I I think I would pull the trigger on that. Anyways, why don't we take our first break? We'll come back. We got a bunch of calls from Mr. New Berlin guy. We'll be right back. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news. So don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Hi, Ryan. This is Garrett. Garrett. Out of New Berlin, a.k.a. New Berlin guy. What am I? Um, I just had a couple questions. So, or I want your opinion. So Aaron Jones has one year left on his contract, and that's in 2024. Um, my question is, do we bring him back on the salary cap that he's going to be on? Um, or do we let him go? My other question is, A.J. Dillon is a free agent after this season. Do we re-sign him? Or no? So, if we don't bring Aaron Jones back and we don't re-sign A.J. Dillon, we essentially don't really have many options as far as a starting running back. What direction do you think the Packers go? Um, I'd like to hear your opinion. Thank you. Bye. I think the Packers are going to offer both of them what they think that they're worth. And Aaron Jones is in kind of the more powerful position here. So essentially, so here's the situation. He has a $17.7 million cap hit next year. Now, the Packers have no interest in paying that. The problem is there's a $12.3 million dead cap hit if we cut him. But either way, I don't think the Packers are going to pay that. I also don't know that they're necessarily interested in extending him. Maybe they will to try to get out of this mess. They may offer him a a little bit of a longer term, like we'll we'll give you a two-year extension. That'll go until 2026 when you're 32 years old. It'll be basically, we're going to kind of rip up this contract, give you a brand new contract that's going to be much lower, you know, $10 million per year, but it's giving you the three-year, although we could probably get out after next year. And then we're going to spread out the remaining dead cap of the $12 million over the three years. So it'll be, you know, $4 million or whatever it is per year on top of whatever. So if, if that $10 million per year contract has like a $3 million cap hit plus, you know, the four 
spread out over three years, you know, you're looking at maybe six, seven million dollars this year. There'll be eight remaining dead cap and then probably very little from this new contract. It's just it's just kind of this big kind of convoluted mess that seems unnecessary to save not very much money because you still have to pay the 12 million and then you're putting more money on top of it. I kind of feel like they're going to ask for a pay cut. And if they don't, if he doesn't accept it, I think they let him go. Now, I do think they may end up paying more than what he's what they think he's worth. And the only reason I say that is, would you rather slightly overpay Aaron Jones? Like, let, let's say it's 10 million. If they can get him to accept $10 million, I shouldn't even say accept 10 million. If they can get the cap hit down to 10 million, which, I mean, there's a $3.2 million signing bonus that's already paid. That's on the cap. There's a roster bonus. There's a workout bonus. There's two and a half million from a restructure. That has to be on the cap. So that's already six million. So we're, we're talking a base salary of like $4 million to get it down to 10. So it would only be $4 million actually going into his pocket because the rest of this dead cap is, or, or cap is, is on there already in Aaron Jones's pockets. We'd be asking him to go down from $11 million to $4 million. I don't know. It's tough. I could see Aaron Jones just saying, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. And I don't even know if they would ask. You know, I mean, it's, it's a tough situation. Again, I don't see them paying 17.7. I don't see them restructuring him. I don't see him accepting a pay cut that would be really substantial. I think, I don't know. I don't know. That's tough. Either he's going to accept a pay cut, which is probably the most likely, and then he'll play in 2024 and then be done. Or I think they're going to let him walk. He's still going to carry 12.3 whatever million, and then he'll go get paid somewhere else, which obviously would be just a knife in the heart. You know, you, you kind of want it to end here in Green Bay, but it is what it is. Aaron Jones deserves all the money that he's worth, and if the Packers can't provide it, then he should go get it somewhere else. There's no, I'm not, I would never fault him for that. Never feel like a person is obligated to take a pay cut, but I tend to think he'll be here in 2024 and then not beyond. That would be my guess on a on a pay cut, and I think the Packers will try to work something out because again, it's a hefty price tag for him to not be here. As for AJ Dillon, I think it'll be similar. Um, I think a lot of people look at it and say, you know, I don't think they're going to want to pay him or shouldn't pay him what what he's quote-unquote worth for being the second-round pick or whatever. But he, I just don't think he has a lot of value. I don't think that he's massively coveted, and I think generally you want to stay home. So I think the Packers will offer him what he's worth. I think his agent will acknowledge this. Yes, this is your worth. Maybe we could squeeze somebody else to get a little bit more value, but I think generally you just kind of stick with, as long as the team is offering you a good value, I think you just stick. So I think Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon will both be back. But I also think the Packers will continue to look for a sort of a true number one because Aaron Jones is a short-termer, a short-term guy. He's here just kind of living out the last days of his contract. And A.J. Dillon, I think, is is here because he's a decent running back. He knows the system. I think they like him. Obviously, a good person, loves the team, loves the area, good for the the city and the surrounding area. And again, I think he'll accept a relatively low running back contract. But I, 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 again, I think the Packers will continue to look for that true A number one ace in the hole and let A.J. Dillon just continue to be that hammer to grind down defenses and win in the fourth quarter and that kind of stuff. That would be my guess. So Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and a rookie. And then 2025, it'll be a, a new number one and then A.J. Dillon. That's what I think. Hey, Ryan, it's Jarrett Wensing again, a.k.a. New guy. What am I? Um... I have another thought when it comes to just Brian Gutekinds in a sense. So I I think he's done good at drafting for the most part. 
the problem with his draft that I see is the wide receiver position. I feel like at times he tries to out- outsmart people, and he just doesn't take the best wide receiver available. Sure. Um, example was when we took Christian Watson. I don't think Christian Watson is the best available. And maybe I'm a little biased because my second favorite college team is Georgia. It's been Georgia for a long time. My son's wanted to go to Georgia since he was like four years old. I don't know why. I'm not quite sure where that even came from. But he wanted to go to Georgia since he was like four years old. So um, I think George Pickens was the pick. And yeah, I think. Yeah, look, I think, I mean, George Pickens, I think, was my like actual number one. Um, not saying I was right about that. I probably wasn't, but I really, really liked him. I would guess the Packers really liked him too. I think that had more to do with personality. And we can we can debate whether or not that's the Packers overdo that, and I think they do a little bit, lean a little bit too heavy into like you have to be a good dude. On in this situation though, I think it goes from, you know, not not only are you not like a model citizen I don't. I really don't think that's going to be a thing for a long time. I mean, you're already starting to see the cracks with George Pickens. Um, I don't necessarily regret that we didn't pick him, although I do think he is a very gifted wide receiver. 2020, but we and he has a little bit of an attitude problem. But I thought that we need a physical wide receiver. I feel like Brian Gutekind, or just the Packers organization in general, likes these receivers that are more like a finesse receiver. And to me, that doesn't always work. I feel like the physicality needs to be there at the receiver position. And maybe that can be taught. Um, but Christian Lawson is what, six foot four? Mm-hmm. 100 pounds, 215, I don't know what his actual weight is, but he's a tall receiver. He should be physical and going up for these passes. And we saw it against the Rams when he ended up getting hurt. He actually went up and got the ball. And this last game, when Jordan Love underthrew the ball, yes, it was an underthrow, but instead of fading away, I felt like Christian Watson could have came back for it. And he just doesn't do that. And like I said, maybe it's something that can be taught. But Brian Gutekind needs to, when he starts, when he drafts wide receivers, he needs to start going after the best available receiver because it's hindering us. And I know we're still young and Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson are in their second year and Reed is in his first year and Wicks is in his first year. My problem is Uh, Let's just do the second or the third call here real quick. Going back to what I was talking about before I got cut off. um, He's our fourth best receiver this year. And I saw a chart saying he gets double he gets double teamed a lot, and that may be the case. But we need to either he needs to be better, or we need to scheme him better, because 
there's no reason why a six foot four wide receiver that has the speed that he has should not be producing. And it's just irritating. And I'm not trying to knock Christian Watson, but Brian, like I said, Brian Gutekunst just needs to be better at drafting wide receivers because he doesn't always take the best available receiver. He, I feel like he tries to outsmart people. Like, aha, I got this guy. Well, guess what? This guy has not been working. Bill Young, Bill Young receiving core, and Jordan Love is young, and so I know we need to give them time and stuff like that. But Brian Gutekunst just irritates me at times. He's had some good drafts. He's hit on some picks and stuff like that. But he, I feel like he just needs to be better when it comes to the receiver position. All right, thank you. Have a good rest of your day. Bye. I mean, I like the receivers we have, and I think it's, I think they're performing up to about the standard. I mean, you know, it, I would agree that we don't have that true elite number one my ball kind of guy. We don't really have that. Dobbs kind of displays that once in a while, um, but I don't know that that was the expectation for Christian Watson ever. I don't know that we should be reasonably expecting a fourth round guy to be able to do that. Or, or even Jaden Reed, who's a slot guy. I don't think he was ever really expected to be Devontae Adams. Um, I get what you're saying. And, and you know, as far as... It, it, it sounds to me kind of like what you're saying. I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but I'm it, just the way I'm getting it is you want that true number one guy. Not the fastest guy, not the quick twitch slot guy. Just go get the true alpha number one wide receiver. And I, w- I would agree, and I think the Packers are still looking for that guy. Because, I, again, I don't think that's what Christian Watson was drafted to be. But I think we, I think we are that one, you know, we, we talked just with uh, Steve about, you know, that one piece. I'm not saying that would be the one piece that fixes the whole offense, but that is a major piece that you plug that in, that is going to supercharge this offense. No disrespect to Dobbs, but right now it's like Dobbs is your, is your ex, or Wix, whatever. He's your number one. He is your go-to target machine, go up and get it, alpha number one guy. Reed is your slot. Christian Watson is, you know, the guy on the other side who's real fast, running go routes, stretching the defense, all that kind of stuff. That doesn't mean you can't also be that. There are, there are fast guys who can catch 50-50 balls and whatnot, at, just like there are slot guys who can do it. But if we're just thinking true, actual prototypes, I think we are missing that piece, and I think the Packers are still looking for that piece. But I don't fault them for finding a good slot guy or finding a good, um, you know, receiving tight end or a blocking tight end or your, you know, your Y, your Z, your X, all the different components. And then you give them an opportunity to compete. Fourth round pick Romeo Dobbs is probably not going to be your next Devontae Adams, but give him a real shot at being it. Dentavian Wicks is stepping up. Let's see what he can do. Maybe he can take that job. You know, in other words, instead of just thinking of all the wide receivers as just wide receivers, and we just need alphas across the board, I see it as different roles. You know, Mercedes Lewis and Robert Tunyon were both technically tight ends, but they played two different positions. And DeGuara was also a tight end. They played three different positions. Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and Jaden Reed play three different positions. Now they interchange, and sometimes Christian's in the slot, or Dobbs is in the slot, or, you know, whatever. But you get what I'm saying. And so I I guess all all I'm saying is I think what you're looking for, the Packers are also looking for. And I think if they get an opportunity, they're going to swing at it. We know they like big physical receivers. I just don't think that they have 
taken that big first round swing at as a at a true elite number one wide receiver, at least not yet. But I do think it's very possible this year in the draft that can happen. Now, I still think tackle is most likely, but after tackle, wide receiver might be the most likely of those options, especially since I think there are some real true elite number one X type receivers that are kind of early first round options. And also because it just it just as far as like where are where is all the talent? What do the Packers need? I mean, that's that's one of the top ones outside of tackle. There's some edge rushers, but I don't think they swing at another edge rusher. There's like one defensive tackle, and I'm not sure they take another swing at that. It's a bunch of wide receivers. So I I, I guess I would just express a little bit of patience. I generally think they've done a pretty good job. It's not to say they've done the best job. They've missed out on some guys, no doubt. I mean, we we've got the examples of you know, missing out in the third round or this, that, or the other, swinging at, you know, what was it, Sternberger instead of McLaurin or something stupid like that. But I, I'm I'm impressed. I think I still like Christian Watson. I do. I like Jaden Reed. We'll see if he ends up being as good or better than a lot of guys. So far, it's looking pretty good. The pick of Musgrave is looking pretty good so far. Looking like he might be the second best tight. I mean, obviously the number one right now is available when we took Musgrave, but he's he's looking solid. And again, Romeo Dobbs in the fourth round and Dentavian Wicks in what, the fifth round? Really, really impressive considering where they got drafted. So I, I guess I would just temper expectations a little bit based on, you know, what are reasonable expectations based on what they've had an opportunity to do. We're expecting Garrett Wilson type picks in the fourth round and, and those guys just don't exist. So with what they've had the opportunity to actually do, I, I am generally impressed. Not all positions, not all picks, but wide receiver, I think they've done a pretty good job. We'll see when they actually take a full-on swing at that true number one wide receiver in the first or second round, if they're actually able to hit on that. But so far, I don't think they've really, really attempted it. What's going on? It's Omar the Firefighter. How y'all doing? What up? Hey, I was calling. Somebody hunking home behind me. <laughs> I don't know why. Get out of the way, Omar. Anyway. Ah, so I was calling because uh, I was wanting to say Trucker Bob. Oh, man. Got that smooth <laughs> voice on the radio. I guess he's used to talking on the radio like he's, uh, you know, Rusty Nail <laughs> from Joyride Horror Movie. You know? that's, I did watch that recently. Um, who is that? That's, that's, uh, um, I was going to say a line from the movie uh, from, uh, uh, geez, Louise, I can't think. Silence of the Lambs, the guy from Monk. Well, the guy that talks like this. Terrible example, but you, you get what I'm saying. That's who Rusty Nail is, right? I think so. Well, he's all riding on trucks. I don't know if you saw that movie before. I think somebody brought that up before. Yeah. Very good movie. But it was, but unlike... Rusty Nail, I don't think Chuckle Bob's trying to kill people, but he just has that nice, relaxing voice. There's one shot him out on that. Um, also, uh, I was looking at some mock drafts, and again, I, I believe I called talking about we were deep at wide receiver. So give me a list of your top five wide receivers and what you like about them. That's all I need. All right, go back, go. Candy Cane, are you there? Do you know where I can find Candy Cane? Candy Cane. Yeah, it's definitely him. I looked him up. He's not even credited in anything. I had to really dig in here, but his name is Ted Levine. Ted Levine? I don't know. But yeah, 
So you want receivers, you said? Top five? So I got to check out at least five. (laughs) Making me do my homework. I appreciate that, man. You're making me work. Tell you what, why don't we take a break? Because I got to take a real break because I got to spend some time doing this. We'll come back and I will discuss the receivers that I watch. I will be right back. So here's what here's what I'm going to do, Omar. I'm going to I'm going to do what I usually do, which is take things entirely too far. Cuz you got me feeling like there's some work that needs to be done that I haven't been doing, so I'm going to do it. I thought, you know what? I'm going to look at like six guys and pick the top 5. But no, I'm not going to do that. Then I thought, I'm going to look at 10. And then I realized 10 would take me to number 52, Jalen Polk. This is based on the consensus big board over at NFL Mock Draft beta database. And then I thought, you know what? No. I'm going to look at every receiver currently listed in the top 100. Now, I think it's really early. So you got guys that are top 100 that are probably going to go undrafted. You got guys probably in the 200s that are eventually going to shoot into the top 100. So some of this is kind of iffy. And I think Mr. 100 here might be one of those guys. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's out of the top 100 kind of soon. Maybe that's unfair of me. But I watched a little bit of Anaya Smith, wide receiver out of Texas A&M. 5'10", 194, he's an undersized guy, he looks like it, willing blocker, but, you know, he's small, doesn't have really good speed, I don't see premier route running, I don't see much of, of, you know, not that he can't do some stuff, I just think he's very limited, and I don't know that he has much upside, so I am not a big Anaya Smith fan, and I'm okay saying that, because I would be stunned if the Packers swing at Anaya Smith, like in the mid-rounds or something. PFF has him listed at 5'10", 200. Ryzen Draft has him at 5'10", 194, with expected 40 time of 4.45. He also has cleaned up his drop issues. He had seven drops in 2021, only one in 2022, and only one this year, which further leads me to believe the Packers are not interested because he no longer has drop issues. You know how Gutekunst loves his dropping receivers. Next on the list is Roman Wilson, wide receiver out of Michigan. He is listed currently at number 84, so a pretty big jump already. We're looking at third round range. Tell you what, I like Roman Wilson. The gap for me between Anaya Smith and Roman Wilson is massive. My only issue is that I don't know if we go back to um, who was it? Was it New Berlin guy or AA Ron? I don't. I think it was New Berlin guy. The question of that true elite X my ball guy. I love so Roman is real good off the line. I love watching him off the line. Great acceleration. I like his speed. I like his route running. He seems like an intelligent guy. They use him as far as motion a lot, just like Matt LaFleur. He caught an end around and was able to get the corner. He's got really good balance. He doesn't just fall down when he catches passes. It was one really weird thing. There's always like weird stuff that I catch that's like, oh, I like that. He kind of jumped and got hit out of bounds. And you know how usually when you get hit in the legs, you go like doing a cartwheel? He got hit in the legs and like landed on his feet like a cat. Like it just, he just got such good balance and control that you kind of look at that and go, oh, okay. So I'd want to watch him a little more to see, like, it reminds me a little bit of Justin Jefferson. I'm not saying he's Justin Jefferson, but it was one of those things when I watched Justin Jefferson where it's like, I love watching him off the line. He reminds me of Devontae Adams. But I can't, like, they used him in the slot exclusively, and I can't see him, like, get down the field, and I want to see, like, can you do those things? Because if you can, I'm really, really in. My only question, question, I guess, for Roman Wilson is, is he just another... Romeo Dobbs, Duntavian Wicks, where it's like he's really talented, he's a good route runner, he'll get open, but we still need that premier guy. I don't know, but I like Roman a lot, and I gotta tighten these up a little bit, because we got a ways to go. 
sorry it's turned into this, but this is what we're doing. It's my show. I do what I want. Next big jump, we go from 84 to 75, and it's Malachi Corley, wide receiver out of Western Kentucky. 5'11", 210, 79 receiving grade. Ryzen Draft actually has him as the seventh receiver on their board. Expected 40 time of 4.54, so not exactly blazing speed. By the way, I should probably mention what games I'm watching just so we're clear. But uh, this Malachi Corley, I'm watching 2022 against Indiana. He had a 77 receiving grade, an 82 overall grade, nine targets, eight receptions, 77 yards. It was his third best game in 2022. I don't have any 2023. Malachi, man, I, I really want to like him. I just can't quite get there. He kind of reminds, he's, he's sort of a slot slash playmaker, kind of punt return kind of a guy. Does he do punt returns? Not really. He's He did it a little bit in 2022, one kickoff, one, uh, no, just one punt return for three yards. But that's that's kind of the the vibe I'm getting. Um, he's got some really cool plays, playmaking type stuff. But, you know, again, getting back to the, the is he that number one? No. There was the, I think the defining moment was a true 50-50 ball. And um, it was actually pretty well thrown. He tried to catch it in his chest, though, and the defender was able to punch it out. And it's like, that ain't going to fly, man. <laughs> like, that's just, with what's going on in Green Bay, you look, you look at it through the prism of a Packer fan right now, and it's like, that ain't going to cut it, bro. But he's fun to watch in space. Took an end around to the house, makes people miss. He's a fun receiver. I think he has a relatively high ceiling. I would still put Roman Wilson ahead of him, though. I like the guy. One spot in front of him is Lad McConkey. PFF has him listed at six foot one eighty-five. Currently has an eighty-two receiving grade. Has missed a bunch of time. He didn't start until week five. Played five, six, seven, and then nine, ten, eleven. So again, another little bit undersized guy. He's also 22, which means his rookie year will be 23 years old, which isn't the greatest thing in the world. I will be watching his game against Auburn, which was his third best game out of the six that he played. Five targets, four receptions, 43 yards, 72 receiving grade. So I like Ladd. I'm trying to decide if I like him more than Roman Wilson. I'm not sure. They're different. He is a smaller guy at 185 pounds, but he has a little bit of George Pickens in him. Um, he's not George Pickens, but just, he's kind of a D-bag. You'd never know he's 185 pounds. He's very violent in everything he does. It's like blocking is his favorite thing in the world. You can see guys start to fight with him as the game goes on because they're just ticked off because the guy is such a jerk. But even his route running is violent. Um, my, my issue remains, and this is probably the case because we're a little bit further down and that's the thing. I, I don't see that like first round kind of mentality. So I love the route running. I love how he navigates space. I love how violent and intentional he is. But for example, it's it's mostly for show when I watch him come off the line, right? There's a lot of like juking around and all that stuff, but a lot of times he can't get off of press. Sometimes he can. And I, the 459 speed thing is, I don't know about that. Maybe, but he seems like he can move fairly well. Be surprised if the dude runs a 4-6. But again, it's like, can you, in press coverage, destroy a guy off the line? No. Do you have that sort of my ball mentality? I didn't necessarily see it. The, you know, just all that little extra stuff. So I, I would put him in a similar category to Roman Wilson. Hard worker. I could see Brian Gutekunst really liking the guy. He's out of Georgia, first of all. Really violent. The 185 thing is, is an issue, but just a hard, I mean, like Romeo Dobbs-esque. So I like him, but again, he's just kind of in that same category with Dobbs and Wilson and whatnot. And honestly, I still think I like Roman Wilson a little bit more than Lad McConkey. 
Next up at 58, a pretty big jump from 74 to 58. Now we're getting in the back of the second round. Johnny Wilson, wide receiver out of Florida State. This is the second Florida State wide receiver. We got to get all the way up to Keon Coleman. By the way, the, the, the biggest reason I wanted to do this, when you start with just the top guy, you look at him and all, all I do anyways is nitpick. You got to watch sort of the Anaya Smiths to appreciate the Xavier Worthies. If you do it in the other order, you set the standard at Marvin Harrison and everybody's just kind of, eh, eh, I don't know. Eh, eh, eh. This is more fun. Speaking of fun, Johnny Wilson is six foot seven, 237 pounds. Guaranteed Brian Gutekunst has a crush on this guy. He's uh, expected 40 time of 4.56, which if that's a 4.56, similar to the other guys that are in that range, I'm guessing he's relatively fast. He currently has a 74 PFF grade, 74 receiving grade. He does have four drops, which equates to um, 11.8%, which is relatively high. So Gutekunst's probably digging that. But I am going to watch him against LSU. Um, it was his second best game of the year, 72 receiving grade, nine targets, seven receptions, 104 yards. So look, I'm I'm not a huge Johnny Wilson fan. <laughs> um, I mean, look, he, he's, he's a big tight end. He's kind of clumsy because that's what happens when you're six foot seven. You got those giraffe legs. Um, kind of reminds me of uh, you know what we saw from AJ Dillon, and now we're talking about with Musgrave where he catches it and falls. I think a lot of the size is for show. Um, he's not as he's not violent. You know, he's just big. You know, I'd rather have the 185 pound guy that sees blocking as an opportunity to get into a bar fight than a guy who's six foot seven and gets freaking laid out by a corner. And then, you know, the play ends in a touchdown. Johnny gets up and, like, gets in the face of the guy that just annihilated him. Uh, next play, ball hits him in the chest and he drops it. Like, he's not going to do much after the catch because he's a little bit too clumsy. Again, I, I just, he, he does some cool stuff. He, I think he's got some decent hands aside from that just drop that I just saw, which, again, is a bit of a problem for him. But he digs some stuff out of the ground. I mean, it's, it's kind of cool, and you could see it as a compliment to Christian Watson on one side. You could put the bigger guy over there. Maybe you get a little bit of red zone, something. I don't know. But I, yeah, I mean, it's just, he's just, he's a tight end and not the greatest I've ever seen at that. It's cool to be 6'7", 237, but that's, that's all I really got out of that, to be honest. I still think it's Roman Wilson, man, so far. Next, we jump up to Brian Thomas Jr., wide receiver out of LSU. He is at 53rd overall. PFF has him at six foot four, two hundred and five pounds, seventy three receiving grade. Expected forty time is uh, four or five. Florida State is the only game that I can find as far as the all twenty two goes. Not it was actually a really good game. It was it was not his highest grades, only a sixty eight point nine. It was on the lower end for him. It was one two three four five six down, but still eight targets, seven receptions, one hundred and forty two yards, and a touchdown is a pretty productive day. With Thomas, I feel like we're kind of finally cracking into that, you know, potential number one. You know, I could see why they're second round pick type guys. You know, the Alec Pierce, not really, but maybe. There's just something about him. He's he's got sort of that wide receiver swagger. He I just feel like he's good across the board. I just don't know if he's got that extra gear in him. I like Brian Thomas. And I, I think so if if I had a top five right now. It would be Brian Thomas, number one. And again, that's largely, it's not even necessarily that I like him. I still like Roman Wilson more. I probably like Lad McConkey more. But if this was putting money on which one of these guys is going to be a true number one, Brian Thomas is probably one. Then Wilson, then Lad McConkey, then Malachi Corley, then Johnny Wilson. That would be my five 
as of right now, leaving out Anaya Smith. Next, we got Jalen Polk at 52, wide receiver out of Washington, 6'2", 204. Finally get someone that's like a prototypical wide receiver side. 81.4 receiving grade, which is one of the higher that we've seen. Big breakout. So he had a Texas Tech was his first year, 58. Then he moved to Washington, didn't really play very much, but got a 67 grade. Then year two at Washington, finally gets a decent start, 65 receiving grade, and then a breakout this year, 81.4. And the grades have tapered off. So it was like 70, 70, 80, 90. Then it's 60, 70, 60, 60, low 70, 70. Or excuse me, 60 finally. So just something to keep in mind. But uh, expected 40 time over at NFL Draft Buzz is 448 for Jalen Polk. Don't have any all 22, but I can watch the YouTube version of him against Cal, which was his best game, his highest graded game, 12 targets, 8 receptions, 127 yards, and 2 touchdowns. So if I don't come away with a really high impression of Jalen Polk in this game, then I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd be a little surprised. So yeah, that's really freaking unfair. I mean, they only showed his receptions, but I mean, it's, it's not even close, dude. Like, <laughs> first of all, as far as the whole my ball thing, and again, it was it was it's a little unfair. It was his highest graded game and all that stuff, but he has a drop rate of three point five percent, just two drops on the season. He has a contested catch rate of sixty nine point two percent. He caught um, nine of thirteen. He just looks like he's on another level. I even went and watched him against Boise State, which he only had a sixty eight point eight grade. It's still the same thing. He still has that. I mean, just incredible energy. Right, He gets that 50-50 ball, he stands up, and he's like in the guy's face, he's screaming like he has this sort of F you, this is mine, I'm taking it mentality. And I think that's, you know, as far as where we're at as a, as a fan base and what everybody's kind of screaming for, this guy has that quality, right? He's, he's getting behind the defense. When it's 50-50, that's my ball. I mean, it's just, it's such a beautiful thing to watch. Again, it's a little unfair, and if anybody has any All-22 or whatever, I'd love to see it because it's it's better to see sort of those times when things aren't as great as opposed to like, here's a catch, here's a catch, here's a catch. But you can see it in the catches. He absolutely has number one receiver mentality. Now, does he have the ability? I don't know. But I am a Jalen Polk fan um, with an asterisk next to it. Next up at number 43, we're starting to push into the first round territory is Xavier Leggett or Leggett, wide receiver out of South Carolina, 6'3, 227. So not absurd size, but pretty close to absurd size for a wide receiver. Um, absurd would be Johnny Wilson. But huge human being, 86 receiving grade, mostly on the back of some really, really good games. He does have one bad game against Texas AM. But um, also the other kind of scary thing is this is a massive breakout. Uh, This is year five at South Carolina. His receiving grades were 46, 59, 57, 59, and now it's an 86. Not to say guys can't have big breakouts, but it's just kind of one of those things to be concerned about, especially since he's going to be up in age, you know, coming out of five years at South Carolina. But anyways, and I'm really torn on Xavier Leggett, Leggett, 6'3", 227. He carries his weight so incredibly well. He looks like he's six foot 205. I mean, he doesn't look that way, but he, he moves like it. There are flashes where you see him fly past people or just sky up and catch these passes. And it, you just feel like it kind of reminds me of Traylon Burks where it's like, this could be, I mean, it's very high upside. If this guy hits, everyone's going to be like, you bunch of idiots. Look how many people passed on this guy. How obvious was this? 
but it's just like you you're always looking for like just show me that thing and I'm I don't know. It's an upside play. So do you swing at a guy just cuz he's 6'3" 227 and looks like he moves just as well as anybody else and has great upside? I don't know. Man oh man. I know he's not ahead of Jalen Polk and I think he is ahead of Roman Wilson. Is he ahead of Brian Thomas? <sighs> I'm going to go the safe route and say no. I don't like necessarily betting on big guys for the sake of being big. Although that could easily be a mistake. All right, number 40, the last guy. Uh, no, actually, that's a lie. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six. There's seven more. Buckle up. <laughs> don't blame me. How else am I going to give you my top five if I don't watch a bunch of guys? This is Omar's fault. Troy Flank Franklin, another small guy, Oregon, 6'2", 178. Expected 40 time of 4.40, so he's pretty fast. And of course, all the film that I have, they have such a terrible habit of only picking games in which they're not very good. So uh, Texas Tech was his second lowest graded game, 64.6 grade, but nine targets, six receptions, 103 yards and a touchdown. There's still plenty of production there to get an idea. Uh, I think I'm just out on Troy Franklin, to be honest. And this is just coming from a Packers perspective. Um, He's good for like that one big shot behind the defense. But again, guys... I guess it depends where you look. I mean, PFF has him at 187, which isn't that small, but I see 178. I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't see, there's no way this is a number one. I mean, that's just, that's off the table. So he's kind of like a, a lesser version of Christian Watson. I, I have no interest at all, really. I'm just going to drop him disrespectfully behind Malachi Corley. At 33, we're just going to say we're finally in the first round now, and we still have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven first-round receivers that have not even been touched on, and technically 33 is not even in the first round. Adonai Mitchell, wide receiver out of Texas. After him is Xavier Worthy out of Texas. We got back-to-back Texas guys, but but uh, pretty big dude, 6'4", 196. We'll just call it 200 pounds. 74 receiving grade, kind of a breakout year. He spent two years at Georgia, grades in the 60s, and then this year, mid-70s. By the way, real quick, going back to the uh, the last guy, Troy Franklin, lots of drops, like big-time drop issues. He had six drops in his last four games. Mitchell, however, has one drop this entire season. That's 2.4%, three of eight on contested catches, which is 37%, which might upset people, but again, it's it's just a thing. It's not, you know whatever. Kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Xavier Leggett out of South Carolina, mostly because it's like, I just wanted to see something, you know, like he's open, throw it to him. Nope, nothing. I don't know. I like Xavier more because I feel like they're similar, or excuse me. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I was looking at Worthy. I'm like, wait a minute. There's two Xaviers. I like the upside of Xavier Leggett more than Mitchell. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to stick with my guy, Roman Wilson. I like Roman. I'm going to put my stamp on it. It's probably stupid, but I'm going to put him behind Roman Mitchell. Excuse me, Roman Wilson. I can't get him straight. I should almost put him behind uh, Lad McConkey. I think I'm going to. I like both of those guys. This is just straight up disrespect, but I'm going to do it. And again, if I could have watched some better games, this isn't one of his higher graded games, although he doesn't have a ton of them. But like Kansas State was a really good game. I saw some of the highlights from that. Eight receptions, 149 yards and a touchdown. Just some deep balls. Go up and get it. Again, the drop rate is low. Seems like he's a pretty talented guy. I just, I didn't really see it. So I'm just going to go with my gut because it's not that serious, especially in November. Just a preliminary thing. His teammate, Xavier Worthy, 6'1", 163, expected 4.38 speed. So this guy's probably not going to be very high without even looking. 
Whether I like him or not, I just doubt he's going to fit the prototype of what we're looking for, but should be fun to watch. Listed at six foot one, one seventy two by PFF, has a seventy one point eight receiving grade. Um, kind of looks like his rookie year was his big year at Texas. Eighty receiving grade, nine hundred eighty one yards, twelve touchdowns. It went down to a seventy receiving grade this year, seventy two. Uh, he has five drops, almost eight percent, and a contested catch rate of thirty one point three percent, ninety nine point five passer rating when targeted. The one twenty twenty three game they have is Alabama, which is his second lowest graded. What do we got for twenty twenty two? There we go. Iowa State, second highest graded game in 2022. 10 targets, 8 receptions, 72 yards, 2 touchdowns. That's what we're going to watch. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't I, I, I don't really see it. I think he's maybe got some some decent build-up speed. I don't see like real fast off the line just flying past people. I mean, if, if he goes untouched on a go route or just trying to get down the sideline, yeah, I guess. But I don't know. I don't, I don't see the value. I mean, generally, if a guy's going to be like, in, in the 170s or 160s possibly you're looking for like holy crap i i get that he's small but please draft this guy and i just i don't see that so i'm gonna put him behind uh adonai mitchell basically just dropping everybody ahead of malachi corley and troy franklin and whatnot at this point but all right now we make the big jump right this is like comfortably top of the first we got um Emeka Ibuka out of Ohio State, Roma Dunze at Washington, Malik Neighbors, LSU, Keon Coleman, Florida State, and then Marvin Harrison. So these are sort of the top elite five guys. Right now, my top five is Jalen Polk, Brian Thomas, Xavier Leggett, Roman Wilson, and Lad McConkey. Those two are just hanging on by a thread. I'm hoping somehow they can make it so I can post this on social media and people can call me an idiot. Fingers crossed. All right, big boy time. Ohio State's Emeka Ebuka. Ohio State always does a great job of having wide receivers with names that I'm going to get wrong, especially with letters. That's just like, just ignore that one. And, you know, like, what are you talking? Okay, fine. 6'1", 205, running probably around the low 4'4s, 21 years old, 84 PFF grade, uh... Actually, that's a lie. I'm still on 2022. He's back down to a 74 PFF grade. It's been actually a rough year. Last year, he played like all year, 84 PFF grade. Uh, This year, he played weeks 1, 2, 3, 4, 6, 10, and 11, and had three good games in the middle, otherwise 50, 60, 60, 50. But anyways, let's, uh, let's get to it. Got lots of tape, but only Notre Dame and Indiana from 2023. Let's do Notre Dame. It's his second highest game. He had 10 targets, 7 receptions, 96 yards. By the way, numbers that matter, 1.92 yards per route run, one drop this season, which is 3.6%. Contested catches, he's one of three. It's weird there's only three, right? Christian Watson has four per game. <laughs> wonder why. Just saying. Well, I'll say this. I think I let myself down with the expectations. Um, I don't know. I think meh would sum it up pretty well. Ohio State people are going to be pissed, but I just, you know, eh, okay. I don't know. I, I just, I mean, he, he's got good hands. Uh, I don't see elite speed or top-end route running or anything like that. It's just kind of, if you can get the ball to him, we'll probably catch it. So that's cool, I guess. I feel like an idiot dropping him really low, but I just, I don't know. I, I, I found that like the most boring thing I've ever watched. There's no, like, energy in what he's doing. It's just kind of like, eh. Man, I don't, I don't know. I'm tempted to put him third behind Brian Thomas, 
which is kind of crazy because Abuka is 19 and Brian Thomas is at 53, but I think I'm just going to do it because I just, it was just not interesting to me. Maybe it's just because it's Ohio State and it's a running team, and I I don't know. I that was just uh, was not interesting to watch. But he's fine. He's got good prototypical wide receiver height, weight, whatever. I don't know. I, I whatever. And again, the number one Jalen Pohl, big asterisk because it's YouTube. But I don't care. Speaking of Washington, Roma Dunze is next. Six foot three, two hundred and eleven pounds. Expected 40 time around 446, 21 and a half years old, has an 83.2 PFF grade, uh, receiving grade. That's up from a 79. So he's been pretty solid for two years. Really consistent. His lowest grade was against Arizona, 63.1. So there's not bad games. There's no real missed games. He's played pretty much all year for the last two years. Already has 1,100 yards, 18.6 yards per reception, nine touchdowns last year. 1,145 yards, so he should eclipse that. Only 2023 game is against Boise State, which was a uh, perfectly adequate game, third highest graded game, so we're going to check that out. He had uh, eight targets, seven receptions, 132 yards, and a touchdown in this game. So I like Adunze, similar to Abuka. It's not as like holy crap as I was hoping it would be, and I'll, I'll put it pretty straightforward. If you had to, t- if, if you asked me, would you rather expend a top 10 pick on a Dunze, or let's say pick 12 on him, or take Jalen Polk in the second round? It's not close. Jalen Polk in the second round, because I'm not positive <laughs> that I like a Dunze much more than I like Jalen Polk. Even in this game against Boise State, I kind of thought Polk was bad. I mean, he kept jumping out. So I like a Dunze. I don't think there's, you know, elite speed. There's nothing elite off the line. There's no, like, elite separation or route running. He's a big dude. He's got good speed. He's got good hands. He can do the sort of number one stuff. I just don't see like early first round. Holy cow, this guy's amazing. Now, maybe he will be. I don't know. Just there was, it's just good across the board. So I, I man, I don't think I am going to post this, but I'm I'm actually going to put Adunze behind Jalen Polk. I'll put him as number two though. And I'm really hoping somebody in these top three jumps out to me because if I'm being completely honest, Um, The guys I enjoyed watching the most, Jalen Polk, Brian Thomas, Roman Wilson, and Ladd McConkey have been the four that I've watched that were like, oh, dang. Everybody else, eh. But shout out to Washington for having the top two wide receivers right now. All right, third from the last. By the way, Roma Dunze is at 16, so currently like a mid-first, which I guess kind of makes sense. Uh, Malik Neighbors, though, is sitting at 12, wide receiver out of LSU. Oh, and I don't know if I actually said it. The one thing that kind of annoyed me about Adunze is that he kind of seems clumsy, which again fits in with with the Packers, but there's just a lot of like stumbling around, tripping over things. Like it just, it didn't feel clean. When I'm looking for a number one wide receiver, it looks so smooth, so natural, so easy. When I see guys that are kind of like stumbling and running into people and it's just kind of, it's like, that's not giving me just wide receiver one mojo. You know what I mean? But Malik Neighbor, six foot two hundred, ninety-two point eight receiving grade. Goodness gracious. Lowest grade is a sixty-five, only has two games below a seventy, only has four games below an eighty, and his highest is a ninety-two point seven against Mississippi State. Of course, the only twenty twenty-three game that we have is Florida State, which is his lowest graded game, which is complete bull crap. Man, that annoys the living heck out of me. 2022, what do we got? Alabama and Florida. 
68.9. Man, that's annoying. Whatever. He has six receptions for 67 yards in this game. I might just go to YouTube and cheat. I need somebody to get excited about. We'll see how this goes. By the way, right out of the gate, first play, it's just like, yes. That just, I just, I don't know. It's just, I, I, yeah, it's, this is going to be better. Um, yeah, I mean, right now there's a gap. And, and I feel like we finally kind of crossed that line with Malik Neighbors, for me anyways, where I'm, I'm very comfortable with saying this is sort of that number one wide receiver guy. I'm not saying greatest I've ever seen or anything like that. Just checks all the boxes and is exceptional rather than good. Love his release off the line. I felt like he was open pretty much the entire game. I was actually watching to see if he was starting to get up frustrated with uh, the quarterback. And there were a couple times with some throws that were off where it looked like he was kind of getting a little bit upset. But I mean, he's running wide open all the time and the ball's not going his way. And he kind of just took it in stride, which I think was pretty good to see. I don't mind a little diva in, in a wide receiver but you don't want to see too much. Um, yeah, just, I, re- I really enjoy him. He's got great hands. Just just seems very natural. Like, he knows how to be a wide receiver. Attacking the ball, coming back, turning upfield to get those extra couple yards to get that first down. Yeah, this is kind of what I've been waiting for. And again, that was his supposedly his worst game of the year. So <laughs> I'm going to go back and try to find some more games, probably on YouTube to get more excited about him. But I like Neighbors. Next is another big man, Keon Coleman out of FSU, 6'4", 215. Expected 40 time at 4'5". I think the expected 40 times are a little higher than what we're actually going to find, but otherwise it's going to be a pretty slow draft class. But another 4'5 guy, NFL Draft Buzz has him at 4'4'5". They also have Neighbors at 4'4'0". Ryzen Draft has Neighbors at 4'4'9". I mean, that's a massive gap, and I tend to lean more to 4'4'0". I mean, if he's a 4-5 guy compared to like a borderline 4-3 guy, that's going to make a huge difference. But anyways, Keon Coleman, 74.5 receiving grade, very up and down, 80-60-50, 70-50, 80-60-60-60 is where he's at. So inconsistent, a lot more uh, mediocre to bad games than some of the other guys, and actually has some 50s, borderline 40 against Boston College. Three targets, zero receptions, 1.92 yards per route run. He has zero drops this year, which is great. Um, and that's on his 69 targets. It's not nice. And contested catches, a lot of opportunities. 26 contested catch opportunities. He caught 10 of those, 38.5. So, you know, again, 6'4", 215 pounds, and he's at 38% contested catch rate, just, just for reference. But uh, unfairly, we have his best game of the year against LSU. 11 targets, 9 receptions, 122 yards, and 3 touchdowns. So probably a little bit of a bias here, but we'll see. But yeah, I like him. Um, He doesn't even look that big because everybody playing for Florida State is a freaking monster. Like the small guys are like Darian Williamson, who's 6'3", 204. They got their tight end split out. He's 6'4", 240. And then, of course, we got Johnny Wilson, who's 6'7", 237. So it kind of detracts from the fact that he's this is a big human being, Keon Coleman, 6'4", 215. I like him, man. And it's not even just the production, you know, the yards and the three touchdowns and whatnot. It's just he's a big man that can move. And, and I think if you're a Packer fan that wants a receiver that can bail out Jordan Love, that can, you know, dig some of these things out of the dirt, that can fight for some of these balls, big physical guy that, you know, puts LSU corners on their back when he's run blocking. I mean, Keon Coleman is a pretty solid candidate. And and I think the thing I like the most about it is similar to the other guy we talked about. He's big, but he doesn't play like, you know, he, he doesn't look like he can't move. 
it's not a hindrance. The 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 height weight. I don't see any stumbling. He looks smooth. Um, he's not as you know electric out of the gate as neighbors, but he's a good, physical, quick, talented receiver. Um, I'm torn a little bit on whether I like him more than neighbors or not. I feel like Malik Neighbors is a better, just true receiver, but Keon Coleman is just a half a step below him, and then you add in the fact that he's a monster. But I think I like Neighbors' consistency with the grading and whatnot. It just feels safer. I like the energy and the attitude. I mean, I I don't. It's very close. It's like one A, one B. But Coleman just makes me a little bit more nervous. So I'm gonna go Neighbors. Plus, I just liked watching him more. I mean, every time. Max effort right out right out of the gate, just flying. I think it's easier for Keon Coleman because he's a big dude to just like push somebody off of. But I just appreciate neighbors a little bit, a little bit more. And then finally, and I really don't even want to watch this to be honest, because I'm I'm just I I'm worried I'm just not gonna be that impressed and it's just gonna ruin this whole thing. But Marvin Harrison Jr., Ohio State, six foot four, two oh five, expected forty time of four four six. Uh, expected 40 time of 439 according to NFL Draft Buzz. I'm guessing that's closer to accurate. 89.2 receiving grade, um, and that's even with a 53 against Indiana and a 55 against Notre Dame. He's really been on fire since then. So he played weeks one, two, three, and four, and then since then, we starting in week six, it was 80, 70, 90, 80, high 60s and 80. So it's been pretty. Uh, Pretty nice the last several weeks, and I have Indiana and Notre Dame to choose from. Fortunately, there's also Penn State, which was his best game. So guess what we're going to be watching? Penn State. That's via his PFF grade. He had um, 15 targets, 11 receptions, 162 yards, and a touchdown in this game. So we're in luck. He met expectations, which are sky high. This guy's unfair. He's a freaking cheat code. Six foot four, 205 pounds. Um, look, if, if you want to go at Christian Watson, draft this guy because every quote unquote impossible catch that Christian Watson doesn't make Marvin Harrison makes. So yes, he he's fast off the line. He's really quick. He's, um, speed down the field. He gets behind people separation. My favorite attribute, which is making football look easy, which I love. Really good wide receivers always make football look easy. Catching the ball is easy. It's just in stride. It's almost like in Madden, like the the ball just kind of magnetizes to their hands. But, I mean, there have been certain things, and I always say, when I'm trying to watch, I always think, what are you doing that is better, worse, different than what somebody else in that same situation would do? You know, sometimes you'll see a highlight reel, and it's like, oh, 70 yards. And it's like, well, okay, he was wide open coming across the field, caught it, and then ran. Like, I feel like everybody could have done that. Let me just give you a couple examples of what I just watched. Number one, that I had to rewind a couple times. And keep in mind, they don't have a super great quarterback. So, similar to what you see with Jordan Love, the passes are not exactly in stride. So there was just, you know, one very basic example of an underthrown ball where he's able to stop his body, jump backward, sort of around the defender, and catch the ball, right? Awesome. Because... Not a lot of Packers are going to catch that ball. He would have caught it. Makes it look easy. Cool. There was another example, though, of a ball that was thrown behind him. And first of all, just being able to kind of turn your whole body around and catch it 
in and of itself is impressive. And we've seen Packers do this. We've seen a lot of people do this. But how many times have you said to yourself or to somebody else that's watching the game with you, that was a great catch, but if you'd have thrown it out in front of him, he could have got more yards, right? If you'd have thrown it to him in stride instead of, because generally what happens, what are you picturing in your head when somebody makes a 180 catch? They spin their whole body around, they catch it, and then their momentum, which was going to the one side, is no longer going that way. You usually stop, you ball up, and you take the hit right there. I have no idea how. I, 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 like I said, I replayed it several times because it doesn't make sense. He reached backwards with his arms. His head went backwards so that he can catch it, but his body kept moving forward. And he didn't slow down. Not only did he not turn around and stop his momentum, he reached backwards, caught the ball, but kept running across the field and didn't break stride and picked up more yards. I don't, I don't know how he did it. I don't think I've ever seen that before. You know, even Devontae, we've seen him do like the spinning catch and then he catches it. And a lot of times he'll like run the other way because it's like, oh, I'm turned around. Let me try to make a play this way. He didn't even slow down. Then this last play that I'm looking at, and, and you know, I'm watching the all 22. So they kind of just like fly through it. There's no audio. So it's just kind of like, boom, on to the next play. And I'm like, no, he didn't catch that. So then I watched it from the other angle. He freaking caught it. He's coming out of his break. And he just run into the middle of the field. So it's just an, an in route. Run up, run into the middle of the field. Massive penalty by the defense that doesn't get called. He's getting mugged, right? Yanking on the jersey, whatever. He's able to fight through that and get separation, which by itself is like, okay, he's open now somehow. The ball gets to him. The defender gets there first. He hits him from behind. After getting mugged, by the way, hits him from behind. Two defenders. Again, another example of if this is Watson and he drops it, I'm looking at it going, I don't know what you expect him to do in that situation. He gets hit early, second defender comes across, and he's sitting there balled up on the ground, he caught the ball. I don't know how he caught that ball. I mean, I, I get it, but it's like, there's no, there's no way. So, I mean, this guy is yanking on his jersey and then hits him early before the ball gets there, and he still caught it. This is the guy that sets unbelievably unfair expectations on everybody else because you look at it and go well he can do it why can't you do it it's like because that's impossible all right because there's one man in all of human history that can make that play that's why and his name is marvin harrison apparently so i mean it's it's everything i mean he, he's if it's a deep pass he gets right behind him if it's you know middle of the field he catches it in stride doesn't really slow down he slows down just enough to get the ball and then he's back up zero to sixty Picking up yards. Um, I mean, the, the if there's a knock on him, he can't block to save his life. He sucks. <laughs> he can't. It's not his thing. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, yards after the catch, you know, maybe a six or seven out of ten. I don't know that he's got like those punt return abilities, but he's, he's still talented. I mean, he can still do it. So, I mean, if your whole mentality is we need just an absolute number one, a guy that's just a dog and a guy that's going to you know, help out the quarterback, which we've been hearing all year. Somebody's got to help Jordan Love. Somebody's got to make these plays. It's a little underthrown. It's a little overthrown. It's a little behind. It's a little low. You got to just make the play. This is the guy that will make all those plays. And, you know, obviously not all, but, and I mean that, you know, it doesn't mean his hands are perfect. He does have six drops. Half of those came in one game, but that's 9.2%. But it's not even so much that he doesn't drop any passes. It's just his ability to catch balls that I just don't see anybody else doing. Um, I just, yeah, so, I mean, just top to bottom, er everything about him. I mean, is he a 10 out of 10? No, because, again, I mean, you know, the blocking isn't the best, and obviously, again, 9.2% drop rate isn't the greatest. 
Contested catch rate, 10 out of 26, which is 38%, which again, not the end of the world. That's pretty standard for a lot of people. And what is called a contested catch, let's be honest, some of these are not legitimate contested catches. But just from what I'm seeing, his, his, just the fact that he can do it. You know, I'm sure you can find bad games and bad stuff where it's like, well, he didn't do it in that instance, whatever. He has supernatural abilities that other, other guys just don't have. And if you want everybody to hate Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and Dontavian Wicks and everybody else for being a freaking bum that can't catch these passes that only Marvin Harrison is catching, then then just find a way to get Marvin Harrison because he's going to make whatever team he goes to, he's going to make everybody else look like a bum. And how cool would it be if the Bears, who let's just say we're picking like one spot in front of them, so they got, you know, the first pick, second pick with Carolina, they take a quarterback. So they got, you know, Drake May in Chicago, and we have Jordan Love, but we got Marvin Harrison, and we're just carving them up with Jordan Love and Marvin Harrison. That would be just absolute poetry as Drake May is sitting behind their garbage offensive line with their mid-wide receivers and their trash offensive coordinator and just sucking. I'm all in, man. I dig it. I like it. I just I just don't think, you know, all these other guys, I, I like a lot of them. I just can't fathom Marvin Harrison is a bad wide receiver. Maybe he doesn't quite live up to the elite expectations. I just don't see him being bad. I mean, the size is incredible at 6'4", 205. The speed is evident. I mean, he, he's, it's, it's, you know, Christian Watson and Marvin Harrison is like having two, it's, it's similar to Miami, where you got two guys probably running in the four threes. But then with Marvin Harrison, also, you just happen to have this really, really talented, you know, Garrett Wilson type of guy. So my top three, number one, Marvin Harrison. Then there's a gap. Number two, Malik Neighbors. Number three, Keon Coleman. Then there's another gap. The next two are the Washington wide receivers. And I do have Jalen Polk ahead of Roma Dunze. Is that stupid? Probably. I don't care. Jalen Polk, then Roma Dunze, then Brian Thomas, then Emeka Ibuka, then Xavier Leggett, then Roman Wilson, Lad McConkey, Adani Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, Malachi Corley, Troy Franklin, Johnny Wilson, and Anaya Smith. How's that? That's my top 16. How do you like me now, Omar? I kind of feel bad because I could have got through a bunch of calls, but instead we went down this road. You know, such is life. That's just how she goes. But you guys have yourselves a uh, good rest of your night, I suppose. And, uh, you know, again, if, if you're looking for top five, those are my top five. Some maybe lesser known that I like a lot, Jalen Polk. And then check out Roman Wilson and Lad McConkie. I know they were a little bit lower. I might just want to bump them up later. I kind of just peer pressured them down a little bit. But um, I like Roman Wilson out of Michigan and Lad McConkie out of Georgia. So check them out. But you guys have a good night. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. 